Beauty is one thing, brains are another. Together, they make one hell of an unstoppable person. Hedy Lamar embodied it all. As a brilliant woman with world-class charm, she changed the world forever. Today, we're taking a dive into the life of famous actress Hedy Lamar. Some people might know of the name. I, I felt like I knew of her name before and but i didn't really know who she was and i've asked i know of kendrick lamar nope <laughs> not related not really uh, i don't think so but uh i know i think a lot of people might be familiar with her or at least older people i've talked to people and people are like yeah i think i know that name but i don't really know what she did at the senior center yeah at the senior center people might know or whatever <laughs> she's yes she's old um cool. but she's gorgeous in this picture i have of her she is just just a beautiful human being and I kind of fell in love with her reading about her story. So I hope that ties some people into this. <laughs> so let's just get right on in. 1914, Hedy was born. Her real name is actually Hedwig Eva Maria Keisler. So, Hedwig Eva Maria Keisler. Right. Yeah, Keisler. Keisler. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Hedwig, yeah, that's her actual name. And she was born in Vienna, Austria. Her mother was a pianist and her father was a successful bank director. That's pianist, not penis. Uh, Nobody thought it was penis. <laughs> she played the piano. Penis is a common term. Her father was a f- successful bank director. So they were like a, you know, a nice middle class family. She was an only child. Uh, as a child, she was very interested in singing and acting. And when she was 12 years old, she actually won a citywide beauty contest in Vienna. So that sounds kind of like you. <laughs> so she was, a, she was a star at a young age. Uh Theater producer Max Reinhardt had witnessed her win the contest. He was in town. He's from Berlin originally, but he was in town to spot some new, you know, child actors to bring up right. to the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he got in touch with her and he actually paid for her to go to Berlin for a few months and to take some acting classes so she could come back and work for under him. So she did this and she came back and worked uh, originally as what they called a script girl, which is a very uh, misogynistic term back then. It's like a production assistant now yeah they call them now i think they're called like uh how do you say it script directors or something like that but she basically oversees the production as like a right hand man yeah so a pa yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. or producer maybe yeah producer uh so after working alongside reinhardt he casts her as the lead role in the musical called the weaker sex and he was so impressed that he brought her back to berlin to star in bigger musicals but Hedy was a very headstrong person and she did what she wanted to do. And so she didn't want to work under Reinhardt anymore. She wasn't a big fan. And she met a Russian film director uh, by the last name of Gronowski, whom she starred in a couple of his movies. And she landed a couple major roles. Uh, the biggest one is probably 1932's. It's called No Money Needed. Uh, and that made her internationally famous. So that was really her first major role. And she kind of blew up at this point around the world. People started recognizing her. Well, her newfound fame led her to perhaps her most well-known role in 1933's Ecstasy. So this is a European film, but it's actually, it did do pretty well in the United States as well. And she was 18 years old. She played a neglected young wife of an indifferent old man. So that's kind of sad. But the film became famous because of a scene. It was the first non-pornographic uh, film featured. It featured a sex scene with nudity in it. And Lamar specifically became famous for her scene uh, where she was nude. And she also 
acted out an orgasm, obviously fake, but she acted. She was the first woman in history to act an orgasm, an orgasm on uh, camera. And so that was like a big deal. She was really the first woman on film naked in an artistic way, not pornographic. And so she was kind of, but she, she didn't do it in a way that was shameful. It came across as a way of, uh, you know, pride and she was, it was an empowering thing for her. So she would go on to star in several more films after this. And she really blew up at this point. She was only 18 years old. So she kind of, she was 18 at the time of the film in 1933 or yeah, like she just turned, she was 18 when she was nude in the film. So it was, okay. yeah, it was, it was fine. But, uh, so she, the fame really hit her fast. And she had a lot of big fans at this time. And one of them was really obsessed with her. His name was Frederick Mandel. So he was the third richest man in Austria because he owned an ammunition manufacturer. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, He constantly sent her flowers and letters and was borderline stalking her. But she was charmed by him. I guess he was really rich and handsome young guy, owned a company. And uh, so she fell into it and started dating him. And after a few months, they got married because that's how it worked there. And then I guess just a couple months in, <laughs> but her family, Well, if you wait too long, you'll die. Right. So it's, you know, well, her family didn't approve um, for some pretty interesting reasons. Her family was Jewish. So keep that in mind. So shortly after their marriage, Frederick changed a lot and he became really controlling and abusive and he wasn't letting her pursue her acting career. He hated that she was known for her sex and orgasm scenes that just, him, drove him crazy. You're telling me the ammunition manufacturer had violent tendencies? <laughs> well, so he's basically keeping her in the house. And this guy's doing a lot of weird business deals with some people in, in governments and political powers. So he's inviting all these people over and they're having little conferences. And some of the associates that came over for dinner included people such as Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler. Huh. Yeah, so she was having dinner parties with these guys, and she soon realized that her husband was supplying ammunition for the Third Reich, basically. <laughs> and so, yeah. So she, yeah. So she was terrified of him. Also, her family was Jewish, so she was Jewish. Um, right, but I mean, regardless, if you're if you're supplying the Third Reich with their ammunition, right, right, right. Um, right. You know, so not the best guy. She was not the best guy historically. You know, I don't know if you recall. <laughs> they, they would no, I, I know about not it. Yeah. Good. So she was afraid not of her good. husband. And so what she did, she actually disguised herself as one of the housemaids. And she was able to, f- she stole all of her own, not stole, but she took all of her own jewelry and her riches that she packed up, stole from right. him and fled. She went to Paris. Uh, and so he never found her. I guess she got away, even though she was famous, she got away in Paris. And while working there, an executive talent scout, it was a guy from MGM, actually, was in Europe, and he was trying to find talent to bring back to Hollywood. So he meets Hetty, and she was so taken back. He was so taken back by her beauty that he offered her a contract on the spot and flew her to Hollywood. So she now she moves over to the U.S., and she would spend the next 10 years in a bunch of famous films uh, in the U.S. and Hollywood. But unfortunately, the thing was a lot of her roles were kind of obviously she was typecasted at this time. So she was, you know, she was this beautiful foreign woman. So she would be portrayed sure. as the dumb, exotic, sexualized girl in all these films. Well, that's Hollywood for right. you. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of those movies, even though they were big budget films, a lot of them became flops because it was just the same thing over and over again. So she demanded uh, new roles and she wants to do a comedy because she thought she had it in her to, to 
to make a really good funny movie and it was called boomtown was the first one that she did and it actually became at that time it was mgm's highest grossing comedy so she it was her input that really brought this massive successful movie and she got off her typecast through that uh so she got bored though acting because it just was the same old stuff for her and she'd been doing it for years now and so in her free time she would do a lot of science and engineering like just she would just read books yes. and build stuff stem baby right? so she starts dating this guy his name's howard hughes might save him for a future episode because this guy is one interesting person i feel like i've heard of him yeah but maybe not so this guy was a mega mega wealthy tycoon she's got a thing for rich guys apparently. well who doesn't right who doesn't who doesn't so this guy's got billions and he owned an airplane manufacturing company uh we eventually got bought out in the 80s, but it was a very successful company at the time. And he knew of Lamar's interest in engineering. So he told his employees that he had all these engineers and scientists working under him that they had to do whatever she wants to work on. So she would just be like, I want to build one of her things which she wants to build um, like a Alka-Seltzer tablet, basically, but it would make like Coke. So you could just drop like a little like a cube into water and it would make it into coca-cola huh. and they actually made it successfully but it wasn't it didn't taste good apparently is what i understood but she wanted to send it to like yeah. the soldiers overseas and stuff so they could have coke and all that it was interesting but uh so this these people were working for her and it's just like a hobby for her free time while she wasn't acting and she was uncomfortable making money in Hollywood while World War II was going on. She felt guilty about it, especially since all of her friends and family were over in Europe. So she wanted to invent something that could help. So her and her team of researchers invented an instrument that would allow frequencies from torpedoes to hop. This is It's kind of hard. Yeah. So I guess what was going on, they had this thing called jamming during World War II where they would have yeah. these torpedoes get jammed. Their signals would get jammed. They would be misguided by the, by the Nazis. So she invented a thing with this team of researchers that could basically make the frequencies hop so that they couldn't get jammed. It could get jammed for maybe a second, but then it would be reconnected. It was interesting how Uh she did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand, but I can see how it would be helpful. Right. So she invents this thing, uh, for, and she gets the patent for it after a couple of years. It took her a while to get the patent approved, but eventually got approved. And it's now known as spread spectrum technology. That's what it's called, spread spectrum technology. Now, what's crazy is that this would later be recognized uh, as the foundation for the invention of all wireless connectivity as the patent. It ended up leading to the invention of Bluetooth specifically, uh, Wi-Fi and cell phones. It's the same technology that's like the foundation for all that. It's most similar to Bluetooth, but um, it also is used in Wi-Fi and cell phones. It's like basically one of the most important inventions in of the 20th century. Did she get any like any money for the invention of Bluetooth or was she? Like, uh, no. So what happened was because she was able to register the patent, but she couldn't make profit off of it because she wasn't a nationalized citizen is what I understood. And they, oh. so I put towards the end here. Um, she basically, it was estimated that she's due about $35 billion <laughs> because of her patent, but she never got yeah. any of it because... I mean, everything. Could you imagine? <clears throat> yeah. She, if you had an ownership of Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and cell phones, I mean, that's the entire right, world now. Right. $35 billion. <laughs> probably more than she that. She pretty much got screwed out of it. 
Yeah. Uh, but her inventions earned her, she invented some other small stuff, but she invented, it earned her uh, what was called the EFF's Pioneer Award as well as in 2014, they inducted her into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. And so then during this time, she also used her fame to raise millions of dollars for war efforts, to sell war bonds and all this stuff. It's crazy. But towards the end of her life, uh, Lamar became kind of a bitter person. She lived like a really secluded life at the end. It was weird. Her story, she kind of went away from her own kids and her family, and she just lived alone in her house. I think what it was from reading about her in her later life, she was really cynical about pop culture, um, spending so many years in Hollywood and how awfully she was treated by a lot of these Hollywood execs. And, you know, people thought she was dumb because she was this foreign. She had, you know, broken English. She was just like a right. pretty girl. She was an actress. And again, the show's not about current events. <laughs> right. This is it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of became a cynical person. She lived alone. And... You know, she was also upset because she was never compensated for all of this money that she believed she was due, which she really was. She invented she was, yeah. technology, I mean, essentially. She yeah, And she never got anything for that. And so in the year 2000, she died of heart disease. And it was in January of, uh, of 2000, which was pretty tragic. But she never got to... It, like She was inducted in the Hall of Fame, the National Adventures Hall of Fame in 2014. So she never got to see that. Um, yeah. And her name really didn't blow up in in like the science realm people didn't really know about her contributions till after she died which seems to be the tragedy of most of these cases as a lot of people don't discover them until after they died and her impact some of the other things she was cited as was um physically she was like the inspiration for the animation of snow white so the way snow white looked if you look at the pictures of hedy lamar very similar to snow white and she also inspired the character of the original catman fun fact in the comic books Catman? Catwoman. Sorry. Did I say oh. Catman? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's, that's interesting. Catman. Or Catwoman. <laughs> she looked just like Catman. You know, Adam West's character on the Fairly Odd Parents. Right. In the early 2000s. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's all I've got for Hedy Lamar. She was an incredibly influential uh, woman who did a lot of crazy things in her life. And, and got none of the got credit. None of the credit until after she died. A bit of a tragedy. Hedy Lamar was known as the most beautiful woman in the world, yet she didn't let that label define her life. She became an incredibly famous and successful actress, all while becoming a self taught engineer who invented one of the most important pieces of technology the world has today. She saw past beauty and looks and placed significance on intellect, science, and political affairs. Lamar was a trailblazer for women and a symbol of integrity. But yeah, Hedy Lamar, folks. She's a... She is a looker, for one. (laughs) But, more importantly, was brilliant. (laughs) And invented amazing technology. I just want to know, because here's the thing, she didn't even ever get her... um, high school diploma she never earned that she she you don't need one these no, days. no but i'm just on. saying she she taught herself how to engineer bluetooth technology yeah it's pretty remarkable in the 40s so without a high school diploma or any formal education she just picked up books from a library and taught herself and uh yeah it's incredible so i couldn't i, <laughs> I, I can't even 
engineer Bluetooth mm. today, and I have all the resources in the world right in front of me at all times. I didn't even remember to press record. No, I'm just kidding. I pressed it. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, it's every time. Again, if you want to be a writer, please apply. Just leave a review and say, I want to write for this show. Uh, we won't pay you. No, no. Because we don't no, pay ourselves. We don't, we don't make any money, folks. Any money at all. No money. <laughs> write us a review. Write us a review. Write us a review. Please, please. Please, uh, please. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Thanks for listening to Unsung. We'll be back next Tuesday with two new episodes, two new stories of two amazing people that you've never heard of. Be sure to subscribe if you like the show and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Unsung is researched and written by Ryan Muskin, production and music by Levi Rainey. Levi, you did a good job this week with the music. I'm, 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 I'm impressed. Yeah, I did, a, I did a good yeah, job. Yeah, you already did a good job. I just know it. Already, Should we yeah. tell them where else they can find us? Is that important? I guess if they're listening to us now, they already know. Wait, they're already listening to it, so yeah, they're not going to do it again. Find us. It's uh, <laughs> what Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube. It's whatever you want. Maybe Spotify at some point. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll get there. It'll be great. You're going to love it. If you're on it right now, you already have a way to get there, so you don't need to be directed <laughs> to any other forms of the podcast. Hey, it's 91 degrees and fair. We'll be partly cloudy going into the nighttime with a low of 69 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> That's all. We got. I'm sweaty, folks. I'm That's very sweaty. Forecast. Okay. Uh, well. Yeah, it's very hot. Turn the fans <laughs> off so that no noise would get into the mics, hey. and it's it's just sweaty. All the while, folks. I'm drinking uh, room temperature water so as to not ruin my vocal cords. <laughs> uh, so it's just all uh, around a humid, mm. unbearable, miserable time. Well, I got to go to work, folks, because this is not my full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> or your part-time job, because again, make it makes money. no money. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.